I'm excited that I'm getting so many good questions for my Q&A days. You know, like, why women? Why am I focusing only on women? Or why horses are so good when it comes to helping vets with PTSD? And how I conquered my huge, I mean huge, fear of speaking. When we decide what matters to us, and I mean what really matters to us, we can make a few key changes and live a more meaningful life, the one we're dying to live. Hi, I'm Tony Matson, and I'm on a mission to encourage and empower women to live the life God created them for. If you're ready to rediscover your passion, redefine what's important, and recapture the time to live it, well, my friend, you're in the right place. Live the Life Podcast is my roll-up-your-sleeves workshop-style show that'll help crack the code of your passion, power, peace, and purpose. I'm a Midwest gal, speaker, author, podcaster, and encourager, and I love all things God, family, and hope. So no matter your season in life, what you do, what you hope to do, or whether we're talking about the tough stuff or the triumphs, I'll be your biggest cheerleader, your loudest fan, and yep, you guessed it, I'll help you live the life God created you for. I'm so grateful you're on this ride with me. So here we go. This is the Live the Life Podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Live the Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matson, and I'm so glad that you're on this ride with me. Today is our first ever Q&A date. Oh, my gosh, I've received some really, really good questions. So thanks so much for sending them. And just remember, if you have a burning question, send it to me at Tony at TonyMatson.com. And on every last day of the month, it's Q&A day, and I'll be answering them. I have to say, I kind of feel like a little kid waiting to open a gift. I click open my emails and I scroll as fast as my little eyeballs will take me and yep, there's one, there's another, there's another. Seriously, I'm probably having way too much fun and I get a a thrill out of this than any adult should, but I don't care. I love hearing from you, so please keep them coming. Let's jump right in. Okay, so the first question comes from Mark, who is a friend of mine for decades, and he asks, why am I choosing to focus only on women in my podcast? Because the content can help anyone. Question mark. First, let me say thank you so much for asking it. And I love that you find my podcast, you know, just plain good enough content for all. Considering the massive numbers of of authors and, oh my gosh, change makers that you've interviewed, Mark, over the years, very cool. Thank you for your kindness on this. When I started pulling out the details of, you know, what I wanted my podcast to be, and the title, of course, was a big deal, and the target audience was too. That was, it's a really big deal. You know, who did I want to specifically reach? Who couldn't I afford to miss was maybe something that I really, I don't know, maybe that tuned it in for me. But that was my question. I thought I knew, but I really had to dig through some of my old journals just to make sure that I heard God correctly. So I did that. And um, what I what I remember is, of course, years and years ago, um, in my God time, way before there were things like, oh my goodness, the podcast, the blog, websites, social media, you know, you name it. I knew there would be a time that I would lead women to discover and live their passion. 
But back then, of course, I didn't know when you followed your passion, you'd land right smack in the middle of your purpose in life. That pearl didn't come to me until years and years later. But the message was loud and clear. And it was that it was women who I would be leading. You know, that's that's what I felt very strongly about. That's why I speak with the voice for women. However, I am so grateful that I have a growing group of men listeners, and I really hope you guys out there will continue listening and encouraging others, men and women, everybody, to do the same. And I hope that you'll forgive me if it feels a little bit like I'm being exclusive and you know not including men instead of my really long time history in including them, considering I've worked, oh my gosh, you know, mostly with male veterans for nearly 20 years. Honestly, I pray and I believe there'll be a community of all that tap into my podcast weekly. And because of it, people will be changed. But I need you to hear this next part. I need you to catch this. It is not because of me or my words. It's because Jesus sits in the seat right next to me. He's my co-author. He's my co-content creator, my producer. He stands next to me when I record. So that's why I know people who listen are going to be changed. They'll be encouraged and empowered. And it is not because of me. It is because of thee. And I love that. I love that. That's exciting to me. And Mark, thank you, my dear friend, for listening and encouraging others to do the same and for sending this question. So I could clarify that. I really, really appreciate it. And please continue doing so. All right. Number two question. It comes from Pauline. And she asks, what makes horses so good at helping veterans with PTSD? And do you think it could help my son? Well, Pauline, as we well could imagine, um, this is one of my favorite topics. It's very near and dear to my heart. And in my opinion, um, and after working, my gosh, side by side with countless veterans who span the emotional spectrum from mild reintegration issues to full out multiple suicide attempts, raging PTSD, and even paralyzing survivor's guilt, Horses are really good at helping vets because of three words, connection, relationship, and trust. And let me tell you, without getting to the trust, we've got nothing. So that's our main goal. I want to first explain the dichotomy that exists between horses and veterans and the work that we do. A horse is determined to make a connection with the human. Okay, and in this case, that human's a veteran. And the veteran who's struggling with PTSD is determined to avoid making a connection with the horse or, frankly, any of us for that matter. And a lot of times the vets will be, they're pretty much determined. They'll do almost anything in their power to avoid that connecting. They have spent so much strategic time building walls around their emotional bunker because of what they've seen, because of what they've had to do. They're not willing to just let that down, just in the snap of a finger. That's a really big deal. That's how they protect themselves. You know, they're, like I say, they're they're pretty much willing to do whatever it takes to avoid that connection. And they'll get angry and they'll holler and swear and storm out and you name it. And we never take it personally. Never. Okay? We know we're not the demons they're facing. They don't know it yet, but we're the ones that are going to help them fight those demons. 
but that takes time. So we launch, uh, I don't know, kind of a high stakes bout of connect the dots. The connection itself that I referred to leads to the relationship, then the relationship leads to trust. And that trust is between, starts between the horse and the veteran. But in time, the horse teaches the veteran that they can trust other humans like us, their treatment team. And then eventually their family, their friends, their coworkers, people in their community, people in their church. So when we achieve trust, we've hit the jackpot. And what follows is what changes lives and in fact saves lives. So trust is a really big deal. Really, really big deal. And it's the end, it's the end product of those three connections, those three words, but it's the beginning of the healing. And obviously, a horse is way bigger than a human. Although I got to say, I've worked with some massive Marines that cast a very long shadow. But horses aren't intimidated by a person's size or attitude or if they're willing to cooperate or not. A horse isn't intimidated by the pushback of a, of a forceful veteran, no matter how hard or offensive it is sometimes. And while we humans are occasionally maybe caught off guard by the string of foul language that gets turned loose, the horses aren't. They never are. The horse reads the veteran's heart. The horse is not distracted or threatened by any of that other stuff. Their intuition and how they read the veteran's body language, which is what tells the horse what the vet's intention is, well, that's just something we can't do no matter how much we'd love to and no matter how hard we try. There's just no way. That's what makes a horse special and good at helping a vet. You know, sometimes I really admire the horse because it lives their life on their own terms. They're the one who dictates the, I don't know, the tone or the friendliness of the encounter with we humans. They're what's called sentient beings. God created them this way. I think it's very wonderful, and I'm so grateful he did. God created them to feel things like emotions, some very similar to ours, happiness, anger, grief, and to sense things. A horse's intuition is off the charts. They've mastered how to read, I, I like to say, read the head and heart of man and how those two parts are so closely tethered, yet can lead a person into diametrically opposed directions, sometimes at the same time. And boy, I tell you, that becomes very evident when we work with people who are really struggling with PTSD. But the horse watches every single move we make. And they evaluate it to read the intention. And everything means something. Like, for instance, how fast or slow we move towards the animal. Or if our heads are up or looking at the ground. When we touch the horse, is it with a calm and kind of a just a friendly, respectful hand? Or is it kind of rough and unfriendly? Everything means something. Every encounter, every gesture, every everything tells the horse whether the human is trustworthy and approachable or unpredictable and risky. But for the horse, this is the cool part. That doesn't change their determination to connect. It simply changes their method. I love that. They are masters at that. They've conquered the art of making a connection that sweetens into a relationship. And when that happens, trust is easier to gain. But it's sequential. 
Okay. It's progressive. It's a step-by-step process. You can't skip any steps. You can't rush through it. Trust is going to build itself and become evident in its own pace. And that's why what we do, the model of therapy that we use is so authentic. And that's why we trust our horses so much because when they show us it's time to move to the next step, we know we can. And we make no progress whatsoever without trust. But when we have it, watch out. Because that's when the hope and healing begins. I'll be talking a whole bunch more about horses and our relationship with them. But for now, Pauline, I hope that answers your question. And regarding your son, if he's willing, a good first step is to come out for kind of a look-see and just get the feel for Trinity and the lay of the land and meet some of our staff and our horses. And There's absolutely no strings. Um, he doesn't need horse experience to make this a great fit. In fact, I've lost count of how many veterans I've worked with over the years. But honestly, the ones that gained the most from our work together are the ones who knew the least about animals, particularly horses. So there's no cost to a veteran or their family. You can call the ranch number at 715-835-4530, or you can email info at trinity-ec.com for an appointment or for more info. Please encourage your son to look at the Trinity website, and that's trinity-ec.com, and just see what other vets have said about their experience in our veteran wellness program, it might help him feel a little more comfortable about checking into it. So thanks again, Pauline. Please pass on to your son that he's not alone. He is so not alone out there. We can help him and we'd be honored to do so. Okay. So now we move to our last question of the day. And this is from Kathy. And she asks, how did you conquer your fear of speaking? I am paralyzed by it. Oh, my dear Kathy, boy, do I feel your pain. (laughs) I really do. For decades, oh my gosh, in high school, college, as a young businesswoman, and far, honestly, far into my speaking career, I still was petrified to step on stage. I mean, get this, blackout, don't remember a thing, kind of petrified. True story, really. I remember shortly after we lost Alexi, that'd be 1985, I was invited to sit on the board for the Anne-Marie Foundation. Uh, It's a philanthropic branch of the Phillips Plastics Corp. They were headquartered out in Colorado. And this was, this was really the greatest gig ever. I mean, all we did was travel around, uh, review requests and give tons of money away to nonprofits doing amazing work. Great gig. But I was asked to present a check to my hometown high school during a general assembly. I don't know, maybe like 400 students and faculty. And of course, I politely deflected and suggested that they ask my counterpart, Mark, to do it because he'd been a board member way longer than I had. And I thought, wow, that's just an easy shift. And the president said, oh, no, no, uh, no, we wanted you both there. And I, of course, replied, "Um, no, I assure you, I'm not available on that date, but I'll make sure Mark is. Well, that didn't work. So as I sat on stage with the rest of the presenters, and of course, I was sitting right next to Mark, who still to this day is my dear friend. I love Mark and Lou. And I begged him to do it for me. But he said, nope, you need to conquer this demon. Nah, mm -mm. put him in his place once and for all. I was absolutely terrified. I mean, oh my gosh, just saying these words, I remember it was, I just remember it was like yesterday. When they introduced me, I stood, walked to the podium, opened my mouth, something came out. I finished, walked back to my chair, sat down, and Mark leaned over to me and he said, see, I knew you could do it. I'm proud of you. And I looked at him 
And I said, did I even say anything? I don't remember a thing. So I tell you this story because I know what it's like to be afraid of speaking in public and not just afraid. That doesn't even give the depth of the, you know, terror. And I know there's lots and lots of people who struggle with the fear. And if I said that I never get nervous anymore stepping on stage, I'd be lying. Sometimes I do. And, you know, I think that when I do now, it's, I don't know, it's maybe more that I'm not so much afraid. I am, I feel kind of a weight of responsibility that I really, really want to do a good job with my message so that I represent God well on his behalf. And so I don't think it's maybe so much fear, but it certainly is that sense of responsibility to do well and convey my message so that people understand what it is that I'm trying to share with them on his behalf. But back in the day, and truthfully, maybe not all that long ago, when I had to speak in public, I was petrified of blacking out again, of course, or forgetting my message, or looking as nervous as I really was. I don't know. I was just, I was afraid to look foolish. And I was afraid that nobody would connect with what I was trying to share with them. That's a whole lot of fear. I'm pretty sure I would have given up speaking if I wasn't so sure that speaking was what God wanted for me and from me. Ooh, and believe me when I say that I tried every way, every excuse, you name it, under the sun, to prove to God that I wasn't the woman for this job. No, sir. He wasn't convinced, so I knew I had to figure out how do I face my fear and do it anyway. Fake it until I make it. I'm sure you all have heard of that. That was my mantra for years until I created a system that worked for me. And I call it the BID. Break it down. And here's how it goes. I started by writing my messages out in full. Every word, every pause, every comma. No kidding. I put it on paper and practiced it. Reading my notes over and over again to near nauseam, but in full, everything was in full. And even when I knew it, I felt like I really knew it, word for word, I felt like I'd do it again. I'd read it again. Then I pared it down to only the important sentences that would kind of keep me on track. And I'd practice it that way. Finally, I got to a few, what I call clips of thought that kept me on point. I broke it down to the fewest, most important terms that would keep me on point. You know, I knew my message, but I still carried my large print, vertically folded sheet of paper on stage with me. And this was my BID. This was my break it down, but I never had to use it. And I used this process of incrementally reducing my support, my crutch, if you will, to so few words that I didn't even need to rely on it. But I had it just in case I did. I don't know. That gave me the confidence I needed to actually not rely on it because if all else fails, I knew I knew I had it. But I was able to do well because I had that level of confidence. Knowing my material was a deal breaker. That was key to conquering my fear. And here we go. Having a story to share that embodied the message. Okay, telling a story. People connect through stories. People let their guard down when they're listening to a story. Let me ask you this. Did anyone notice 
that I started answering this question by telling a story. Hmm? I told you how I blacked out at the podium. And I'm going to bet if I were standing on stage instead of behind a microphone sharing this message, you'd no longer be looking at my outfit, watching to see if I look nervous, wondering if I paused too long between thoughts or if maybe I forgot what I was going to say. Because you're in the story with me. You feel compassion, wonder. You're you're pulling for me because you know what it's like to feel what I'm describing. Do you see how that feels different? Stories are saviors. When you speak, always wiggle a story in, up front preferably. Knowing your material removes, it just disintegrates the anxiety of looking anything but confident. Here's the thing. You know your material better than anybody. They're listening. They're not judging. So knowing your material is going to really give you the confidence and to get rid of the anxiety of, am I going to look foolish or sound foolish? But adding a story is going to win your audience's attitude in heart. They're going to say, wow, yeah, I can relate to her. Yep, she knows She knows what I'm going through. Wow, that sounds just like me. I hope that answered your question, Kath. And please don't hesitate to email me more on this if you'd like and any other questions you have. So that's a wrap for today, ladies. Keep your questions coming. Just as a quick summary, we talked about why it is that I'm focusing on women. And it's because that's what God told me to do many, many years ago. We talked about why horses are so special when it comes to helping veterans with PTSD. And those three words, connection, relationship, and trust, and how important those are to lead to the hope and healing. And the final one is how to conquer the fear of speaking, right? My suggestion was really pare down, do the BID, break it down, incrementally reduce your need for the content listed out in front of you. Use the BID, break it down format, if that seemed to resonate for you. Again, what I did, wrote all mine down in long form, edited, cropped, kind of cut and and just tightened it up to the few things that really, really made sense that kept me on track and did it even one more time. Narrow it down even further. You have it in your hand when you go up on stage. You're probably not going to need it by that time, but you have it just in case. Make sure you wiggle stories in, preferably from the very beginning, something that is content-related, something that really shows your audience that you do know them, that you do understand the pain point. So there you have it, ladies. I am grateful eternally grateful that you tuned in today. And I want to thank everybody who sent questions and who keeps sending them. I love them. Keep them coming. So until next time, my friends, thank you for being on this ride with me. And hey, ladies, let's live like someone left the gate open. Wow, that went by fast, didn't it? Cracking the code and discovering the shifts we can make to live the life God created us for is what our time is all about. And then some. So, If this topic resonated with you, I want to know. And if you know someone who needs to hear this, please encourage them to tune in. Go to TonyMatson.com and become a TM Insider so that they can get all the goodies too. After all, that's what friends do, right? 
Speaking of friends, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at Tony at TonyMatson.com. Thanks for being on this ride with me. God bless and see you next time. And of course, hey gals, let's live like somebody left the gate open.